Hello everyone, this is Singularity Watch, a show where we observe the upcoming technologies of the future and figure out how best to prepare for them and what risks and rewards they may hold. I'm Oli, and as always, my co-host is award-winning cybersecurity professional Kavya Perlman, founder of the XR Safety Initiative, XRSI. Hi, Kavya. Hey, Oli. Good to be here. Uh, our guest today is Andrea Ion Kojukaru, uh, a licensed architect, software developer, and co-founder of Numena, uh, an award-winning creative studio that designs and develops both virtual and physical spaces. Hi, Andrea. Good to have you. So, Andrea, you're an architect for both uh, physical and virtual environments. Um, would you say these are part of the same world in some way? Yes. So, for someone like me who's very interested in spatial experience, they are absolutely the same thing. Um, overall, you might get different answers right, from different architects. Um, we're living in such an interesting time where we have this intersection of different disciplines um, and sometimes these intersections are, are giving birth to something completely new and totally new directions and sometimes they end up transforming existing areas of, of work and study. Um, and I actually don't know exactly which way it's going to go with architecture. I don't know if what we call virtual architecture today is going to end up splitting away from traditional architecture mm -hmm. and becoming its own field of design or if the entire field of architecture is going to go in this direction and say hey it's not only physical buildings that are architecture with capital a it's also virtual office spaces and virtual living rooms and all of that so it's um it, it's an interesting crossroad um that 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 i'm seeing right now do you think so? Do you reckon that it's going to become more and more the difference between the two areas in general? My personal desire is to actually see them addressed in a more together, in a more holistic way. To say um, everything that has to do with spatial design, whether there is a physical component to it or not, um, is architecture. Because that's what an architect does. An architect designs spatial experience, whether that has as a goal the creation of a certain emotional state or it has a functional goal. Um, mm -hmm. The same kind of mechanism applies to both physical and virtual space. I see. So you mentioned before that um, the architecture, basically, if you had to kind of sum it up, if I understand correctly, please correct me if I'm wrong. Is it's all about space, like designing space, uh, and so is this something that is evolving in in VR? Uh, when we imagine uh, space in VR, we we kind of have an image of the nineteen nineties with these kind of long spaces with grids on them, you know, fluorescent grids. That's kind of the the stereotype of space in VR. Um, and the other stereotype might be, for example, everything trying to be to you know to imitate reality. Um, do you think there are other ways to kind of uh, conceive space what, what are your ideas on on how that's going to develop in inside vr and ar of course but probably more VR. so i'm i'm hoping that imitating reality in virtual spaces it's only an early phase that we're going to overcome um so if you think of um 
of painting, for example, right? So if we look at our history, we know that we went through a phase that was very representational, where we wanted to paint things that look very much like the real object. Mm -hmm. And then it went through a lot of transformation. Now, I'm not saying by any means that there's anything wrong with like representation and, and accurate representation. It's actually coming back right now. It's like trendy again, 400 years later. Um, but the, the, the thing that I'm hoping to see right now is, is more variety, right? Like a lot of virtual environments kind of look very similar they have a similar approach to to design they kind of copy real spaces with a little bit maybe of something a little bit more extravagant like you will see something floating in the air right but just a tiny element not the entire concept of the design so i'm hoping to see um to see this variety that we have in other art forms okay i'm i'm curious what would that look like i mean do you already have some idea or it's kind of like well i mean we're waiting for somebody to do it, but you're not quite sure what will come out of that. So a good indication um, of what might be coming, and I hope it's coming, um, is the last chapter of Half-Life Alex, right? Oh, yeah. Where yeah. they are starting to play with the physical laws and there's like these, these rooms, you're all of a sudden climbing the walls and things are floating and there's this strange mirroring of the space happening. Um, and all of a sudden, the design principle leaves behind anything that might be dictated by the laws of gravity, and it's mm -hmm. starting to do some kind of very strange things, right? Um, and actually, a lot of architects that are working in VR right now, we are having a hard time breaking away from gravity because we have spent our entire education and professional life being completely <laughs> trying to develop an instinct about how gravity is affecting design. And all of a sudden we are in this virtual space and we recognize there's no more gravity an anymore. But then we find yourself being almost like a young student again, because yeah. I need to develop a completely different kind of instinct, right? Um, I'm throwing away gravity out the window, my hard earned instinct after like 15 years of practice. And I need now an instinct for, 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 for how to manipulate space in a different kind of way. Yeah, that that's I can understand that. That must be a bit like uh, an analogy might be somebody dealing with a body where there's you know you have uh, cybernetic implantations or something, and so all the rules about strength and muscles and bone structure they don't work anymore. So you're it's like a completely different world, I guess. Um, yes. So there was something you mentioned, which I don't know if this quite ties into what you were just saying, but it reminds me a bit of the uh, imitating reality. Uh, discussion. You were mentioning in a tweet the other day, uh, VR is not storytelling. Um, in a book or a script, it takes the entire th uh, the entire thing to build up a world inside someone's head, uh, all to make them feel towards the end that they're there and that something is happening. So then you say, uh, in VR, that's the start. Do do we know where to take the story from here? And that kind of leads me to two things, right? One um, is the last question. Right, which I feel is really uh, important, and the other is, you know, the the whole concept of how VR affects our sense of um, agency and presence inside the virtual world. So, um, I guess, what what was your kind of main emphasis when you wrote this, and what are your ideas about this? I thought that was an interesting tweet, so it'd be nice to, you know, delve into that a bit more. 
Yeah, absolutely. That ended up actually being a bit controversial. I was checking some of the replies <laughs> oh, yeah? today and, and, and it really upset some people. Um, because some people were saying, some people said, well, are you saying, are you saying VR cannot tell a story? And of course, I'm not saying that. Of course, you can tell stories in VR. Um, what I, I, I was, I was mainly dealing with storytelling as a discipline and, and a process that we have studied along years and years and that book authors and playwrights are studying and there's certain rules and certain tricks that you learn when you want to become a playwright for example there's some mm -hmm. way you build up an argument and there's some ways you build up a character and there's strategies to introduce details about that character and all of that is based on the fact that you cannot physically place the person there you cannot physically have a person talk to that character. So you need all of these strategies to, to build that up. And in VR, there's no need for that anymore. We can place a person in a castle or on a beach. Um, so we don't need one chapter of description of how, the, how golden the color of the sand is, right? That becomes useless. Um, and you, we can even meet a character and even have a conversation with them. So, so once, so that really for me fundamentally changes the rules of the game. So what we thought was yeah. the rules of storytelling um, are just not that useful for me anymore. And the question then is, what are these new rules? Like, what 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 do we do if within a millisecond I'm having you? on the sandy golden beach with the character and you see everything and you can experience everything. Um, okay, then what? Yeah, I guess that completely removes the descriptive element. Uh, so something like Hemingway would be completely useless in VR because it's already there, right? It's, you know, it's mainly descriptive, his stuff. Um, That could be a choice, you know, even though we do follow the traditional, it's like telling history. You choose mm -hmm. to be elaborate where you want to be. Maybe you do that for a two-year-old to create magic, to create more vividness by words, but it doesn't have to have to be this way. So I don't know. We're like in the little... <laughs> you mean like uh, sort of describing the scene even though I can see it kind of thing? Because that is kind of cool in a way. Like, you know, the amazing mountain. I, I tell you a story about that mountain. It's actually just a polygon, you know, a polygonic lump, but I'm telling you stuff about it and it makes you imagine. Exactly. Uh, it's which like is kind of magic of books. to be on a spaceship versus a room. And uh, people are still choosing to be in a room in a conference-like structure to do conferences. And I'm like... Why can't we fly on a spaceship and arrive on a zero G <laughs> club and do conferences? That was an important tweet, I think. Uh, especially the do we know where to take the story from here? It opens up another problem that isn't just the fact that it's, um, you know, it, the rules change and stuff, but also that I feel that we have kind of lost, at least from what I see in games and films and lots of stuff, the ability to tell stories has become somewhat like a bonus. I mean, often people will say, you know, if there's a good story in there, that's a bonus. No, it's not. It's the heart of the thing. Like, uh, if you can't tell a good story in a film, you might as well not make the film. But most films are like that now. And I, my fear is that we're, we're kind of losing the ability to narrate our world. And that means a generation of people are kind of lost in 
with loads of tools, but nothing much to say. So I think that's a big issue uh, and a very deep kind of one that you as a philosopher is probably kind of the type of thing you you, you cover, right? I mean... Uh, yeah, so along those lines, um, there, there are two experiences that I feel are very interesting to discuss from this perspective. Um, one is the book of distance and the other one is the collider. And um, I don't know if people are familiar with these two things, but basically the book of distance is majestically well done. Um, it's a piece of VR where, um, where um, the, the designer kind of tells a story of his grandfather um, that was um, uh, in a Japanese internment camp basically in Canada. And it's just beautiful and there's some details in it that are totally brilliant. Um, but it is following a very linear path and it is following, as far as I'm concerned, a very traditional rules and, and approach to storytelling and how it's doing it. It's a bit like an interactive exhibition, basically, where you mm -hmm. would be in an exhibition room and you would still have this person and maybe his father show up all of a sudden, a bit of like real realism and, and, and kind of guide you through that exhibition. And I'm saying this because... While I was living in New York, I did actually witness and I went to some of these kind of events. Um, so for me, it was a reconstruction in VR, extremely well done of that. Um, and I wish it was not so linear. And I wish that my interaction with the story was not um, so inconsequential, right? So mm -hmm. the things that I was doing had absolutely no consequence on the narrative. And again, this is not the criticism of the thing. It's one of the best VR pieces I have ever seen. Um, it's just, I'm just addressing it from this point of view of what's traditional storytelling and what might be new storytelling. And in contrast to that, um, there's this experience called the Collider. And I wasn't, since now I live in Europe, I wasn't able to travel to Tribeca and some of the other places where it was shown to experience it directly. But I've read a lot about other people's description of the experience. And um, it's it's basically two people, one in VR and one is not in VR. And I think the person who's not in VR has your controllers. And it creates this very interesting psychological relationship and almost a bit of a power struggle, depending on how you react to that, that brings out of you um, very deep feelings and, and um, associations. So for me, that is not better by any means than the Book of Distance. But it has an element that's a bit more new, that could only be mm -hmm. done in VR. And it's also a new definition of what it means to tell a story. There was someone that commented on my tweet, I think, today um, and said, look, just make sure you have a story and then you find the right way to say it. Whereas if you look at the Collider, it actually gives you a, a type of story that you could have never thought of without VR. Without those tools, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you need VR to know that that kind of psychological involvement and narrative is possible. You So, yeah. so this approach, find the story, get the story, then see what medium is best for it. I'm not 100% on board with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you think you're saying the tool, you know, uh, the, the tool you're using is going to imply the content and vice versa, right? Kind of, uh, yeah, exactly. Sense. Not that's like, not 100%, but to a big extent, just to, to, to an extent that's that's large enough you can't ignore it, right? Because yeah. I, I, I doubt someone would have even come up with a 
concept of the collider without having known about VR and having really explored VR quite a lot, because you would never be able to realize that in any other medium. Yeah, well, that makes it. I mean, I think we all speak like two languages here, right? And I think we all know that depending on the language you speak, you say different concepts, not just different words. So it, the tool is important, I guess, right? Um, <laughs> I we can't I can't do the 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 gesture. They need to make give me a, an animation for the <laughs> <laughs> the sort of That's a great question. So, well, to put it bluntly, I feel a bit of an outsider in both areas because um, architects are not crazy about VR in that they see it as the latest visualization tool. They do not necessarily see a conceptual potential in it. So from the perspective of a lot of my architect friends, I've actually stepped down um, in that instead of creating conceptual, interesting conceptual things, I'm now just a visualizer. I'm now just using this, this new thing to just mm -hmm. visualize things and not engage with ideas and with design. Um, and then in the developer community and in the XR community, I'm also seen sometimes by some people, not by everyone, of course, um, with some suspicion, right? Because I'm an architect and my education is in architecture. Um, so, so I feel um, pressure and somehow also responsibility to stake a, an area for myself and for my work in between these two different fields. Um, because the truth is, maybe I'm not 100% a traditional architect anymore, and I'm not 100% a coder. Um, I see myself somewhere in between, um, and I'm very comfortable in this space. So part of my work is to stake this space for myself and create the type of work that's maybe a bit new, that still has to prove itself to both of these two different camps, right? That there's, there's value into it. So mm -hmm. it's it's very challenging. Um, it's very difficult and sometimes stressful uh, not to have like a tribe, you know, not to have kind of like your own discipline and your own conferences where you feel 100% welcome and 100% at home. But it's also um, something very exciting, right, at the end of the day. Yeah. And also an opportunity. Yeah. Perhaps you want to be the one to, you know, pave the way for others and... Uh, uh, honestly, when I look at your Twitter, I see leadership written all over it. I think the the whole thing of doing more than one thing, it's something I can relate to personally, but I think in general, it's something that is always comes with a degree of risk and a feeling that 
you know, am I doing some the right thing? Am I kind of just messing about and stuff like that? And then in the end, though, there's value in that, and it comes out with you know time and effort and stuff like that. So I think it's uh, and it's also the way the world changes in a way, right? Because um, you know the world doesn't change because people do the same thing always. <laughs> so exactly, especially our world is constantly evolving and changing. And talk yeah. about that. I'm gonna really um, hone in on one particular question that I was really, really looking forward to asking you, and that has something to do with privacy. So as you know, Andrea, these new technologies or you know this technological evolution that is bringing different new risks, new opportunities. And um, so uh, privacy, for example, in architecture refers to design choices that give people a sense of security and privacy in physical space. In virtual architecture, and I'm sorry, I just kind of like split those two already, but uh, see, we sit in sort of a limbo here and I recognize that, but I, I'm gonna refer to the virtual part as a virtual architecture. So is privacy something different uh, in virtual spaces or how do we take that in account? How do we ensure privacy? And it's a question that I'm struggling with as we work on this uh, XRSI privacy framework. There is the aspect of the data protection. And then there is this in-world privacy. And especially, you know, when AR, VR sort of converge, we're talking about extending our reality into not just a completely immersed, but something that interacts with reality. So what happens to privacy from your perspective and how do we build it? I I actually, I, I would love to, to, to engage in this conversation with you because I feel like as an architect, as a traditional architect, um, I can I can um, bring in that kind of perspective. So in the physical world, everyone is pretty clear on what privacy means, right? And we have um, we have surprisingly uniform approaches to that in architecture, even across cultures, right? So it doesn't matter almost almost. If you go to some city in the US or you go to somewhere in the Middle East, you still have the same kind of um, design design requirements, right? So, so you don't want people to, to look through your bathroom window, right? It's like fog glass or you don't want people to necessarily have direct access to your kitchen table where you might have like some private moments with your family. Um, and that is because I feel like the way the way people think and, and, and the way people's bodies are pretty much the same. Um, so we have similar mental needs in, 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 that, in that regard, cross-cultural. Um, and when I try, however, to apply exactly this kind of thinking and approach to virtual spaces, I discover that it doesn't fully work. Um, mm. And I feel this is exactly the kind of conversation um, we should be having, right? So why doesn't it work? Why can't we say in virtual space, just, the, just like in physical space, people have the same needs. So you don't want someone to come over your avatar that's uncomfortable. You might want to do something that no one is, is seeing for whatever reason in, in some area. And um, for me, I, I can only give you the reason why it doesn't work for me personally, is because when I'm in the virtual space, a lot of the things that are very clear in physical space 
are starting to dissolve. For example, um, embodiment. Um, when I am in my own VR applications and tests that I'm kind of testing design ideas all the time, um, I don't like to be embodied in a humanoid form. So I prefer non-humanoid forms. And I sometimes prefer to have, um, to switch my views, in, like to have some kind of like omnipresence or I put cameras in different corners of the room and I switch like click, click, click. And I switch from different, different corners of the room. So not only am I not humanoid, but I'm having my, my sensory input and my powers and my relationship to the space and be able to in one click see, see things from there and then see, see things from over there. It makes me feel sometimes like my whole body is the room, right? Like, like I, am, I am the room, I am the space. So right. <laughs> when you are faced with this kind, of, um, this kind of feelings of who am I and what's the extent of my space, right? So if I say, well, I have programmed my avatar in such a way that I really feel like this window is part of my virtual body and I've really done that. And it's kind of amazing. So if this is how we, 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 if this is the kind of flexibility that we have about our body and the same kind of things also apply to identity, right? To who I am, um, then how do we deal with privacy? How do you offer privacy to someone who says, um, well, I am this room, right? Where do we even start? Or you have people in VR chat that walk around dressed or in an avatar that's a skyscraper, right? That's like seven <laughs> stories high. So you say, Mr. Skyscraper, what are your privacy needs? And we should totally be asking that question. We should take into account Mr. Skyscraper's <laughs> privacy needs, but it needs, um, as a designer, I feel like we need a framework that is more psychological in nature to start to even ask, know how to ask these questions. And it's a completely different approach than a physical house and a physical kitchen and a physical toilet, mm. you know? Does this make <laughs> sense? Yeah, yeah, it was a very interesting way to picture it. I'm still thinking of Mr. Skyscraper. We need to dig deeper. We need to ask ourselves what, what exactly is at stake as we solve these. So, Thank you so much for that amazing, amazing response. It opens my eyes and it enables me to ask further questions, deeper questions related to privacy. I was going to say that I'm also quite grateful that you guys, as people working on these issues of privacy and, and having like um, a, a public, public facing um, initiatives, like the framework from September, um, and yet you are still open to, to, to seeing these kind of other dimensions. And you're not saying, look, my, my job is just to do some traditional list of privacy that you, we're also dealing with when it comes to websites and GDPR, but to say um, it's not enough to transfer those and, and hey, we can even go as deep as the spiritual things and these questions of identity. Um, that's, I, I find that extraordinary and I don't feel like any, everyone that's involved in this space is willing to even see or accept the fact that we do have to go that far and it's not just about bureaucracy and making mm -hmm. lists of rules. So we're, we're towards the end of this episode and uh, towards the end, as the name suggests, Singularity Watch, we started this show 
imagining the idea and understanding that a lot of these things are converging, are going towards perhaps, you know, some people call it point of singularity. And we want to be sort of the watcher of the space. What we do today impacts tomorrow and that kind of stuff. But of course, you know, inevitably there is a disconnect or different opinions. What in your opinion is this point of singularity? How close are we to where, you know, this sort of a ultimate convergence takes place? And uh, are we there yet? Or is it coming for us? And what should we do then? So for me, this this concept is mostly discussed in terms of um, AI and where that is going. But I would like to take a slightly different approach. Um, and I would, I would say, for me, the most interesting topic is not so much what's happening with AI and if it's going to hit singularity or not and when. Um, it's what's happening with us. Um, how are we changing as, as we are going through this journey? And if we do hit singularity, I'm, I, I don't care so much about the actual thing, whatever it ends up being, whether it's a robot or a program or whatever. I actually care about um, what are we going to become? How is that going to influence us? And I'm seeing so much potential for change um, in terms of this virtual world that have to do with um, you know, having people question things that they've never questioned before. So I've never questioned the extent of my body before VR. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would come to say, I feel like I'm a building. Um, <laughs> I even question um, issues of um, gender identity, not in real life, but in virtual space. Like, do I feel like a woman or a man in here? Um, not really, I feel like this window. So what does that mean? So again, if someone had told me these things a few years ago, I would, I would have said, you are hallucinating. I have no idea what you're talking about. And yet here I am uh, discussing these things with you. So for me, that's such a profound um, change in what in philosophy is referred to as subjectivity. So subjectivity is how does it feel to be me? How does it feel to be you? Um, and normally, these things are actually politically influenced, right? Like an entire government will make a program that sells you on being an American or being an Italian or being a German. And, um, and, and this is all to kind of push people towards certain, how does it feel to be me? Well, I am... Um, I am American, I am a woman, I am like this fixed identities that, that you're being placed into for, for political and social and economic purposes. Um, and yet we come in here and I'm like, well, darn, I am maybe not American, not German, not Romanian, <laughs> not a woman, maybe I'm this wall here. Um, and that just turns everything upside down on a, such a profound level. So for me, that singularity, finding out um, how far can we go down this road, questioning identity things we would never have questioned before. Um, what, what, what are we? Are we still human? Are we still, is, 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 is this, are, are we going towards a human? Like what's the human singularity? What is, 
if if we are so flexible and all these mm-hmm. notions are, are were, were actually impregnated on us from from other things and and we have this amazing flexibility in our mind then what are we i mean or what are we in virtual space what is our singularity what is our convergent point how far can can we move if i can get myself within 20 minutes to feel like i'm omnipresent in this room and can have eyes everywhere um so 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 i would i would like in the future to have more discussion on this topic what's what's our singularity Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, definitely we'll have you back to go into, you know, other aspects of uh, everything, you know, we've gone into. Um, also, huge thanks to my co-host, Kavya Perlman, to editor-in-chief Marco Magnano, and to the rest of the team, namely Tim Stifler-Dean, David Chever, and Ross Newman. Uh, follow us on readyhacker1.com. You can also find us on Facebook or YouTube under the name Singularity Watch. Um, You can find our previous shows and subscribe if you want to keep updated. Uh, Audio only is also available on Spotify, Spreaker and Apple Podcasts. And that's all for now. Happy new journeys to all of you. Bye-bye.